What is happening, my good people? How are you? What is going on? What is the latest and greatest? Greetings as I deliver episode number 110. That's right. A special midweek edition of the J Reels podcast, delivering everything that's going on in the world of sports. So my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been with me for on this whole journey, I welcome you guys back. Today, I have my cousin JD, my blood, my former radio partner, joining me to discuss everything that's going on in the world of sports. But in particular, considering that he is a diehard Cowboy fan, diehard Red Sox fan, huh? Those two things could pretty much take up the whole podcast just itself, and I could talk for hours on end, but whenever you have that camaraderie, whenever you have that chemistry with someone that you know that you could not talk to that person for weeks, months, maybe even years at a time, but when you reconnect with somebody, and especially when you talk, start talking sports, it's one of those things where you could just go on forever and ever and ever. Well, if there's one person in my life that I could do that, it's with this gentleman right here, JD, who many years ago we hosted a Online radio program on Block Talk Radio was one of the top rated programs as far as sports concerned. And then, of course, since then, he's been in and out of my life talking about sports. I actually had him on a podcast sometime last year. Don't remember the episode, but again, that's old news. But today, he's back. And here, we're not only going to talk about what happened there in Boston with the whole sign-stealing scandal, and of course, it'll still be determined the fate of Alex Cora as far as if he's going to be suspended for life, is he not going to come back, what's going to happen as far as just being in baseball altogether. We also get into Dallas and the Cowboys coaching decision of Mike McCarthy, how we both think it's good, but Jerry Jones, a lot of the talk was about him getting into his influence and everything that goes on in Jerry world where, of course, he is everything, whether he's the hot dog vendor or the ticket taker, he's the CEO, coach, trainer, whatever it may be. That's Jerry Jones. He wears all those different hats. So we talk about that and how he needs to hopefully this time around maybe learn and step off the gas a little bit and let the coach take over as far as leading his team to the promised land. And then we also touch on the Celtics and their recent uh, woes as well as what's going on in Boston with the Bruins because he's all Boston and Dallas for a guy that grew up in the Bronx, if you could believe that. So that's what we have here, people. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with JD over the course of the next hour or so. As always, it was very fun, a lot of fun recording it with him. Very passionate, very spirited, as you'll get a chance to listen for yourself. And I'll see you on the back end of that. So enjoy this conversation with my man, my mellow, my former radio partner in blood, J.D. All right, on the line, my pleasure, my man, my mellow, my former partner, my blood, J.D. on the line. And I tell you, if this wasn't the worst week for both of us, I don't know what would be as far as our baseball lives are concerned. But the first question I have for you, my man. Yes, when sir. when this report came out January 7th about the 2018 Red Sox uh, stealing signs, this replay room, et cetera, et cetera, what was the first thought that uh, ran through your mind once that headline came through your phone, tablet, or wherever it may be, wherever you were watching on that day? I tell you, PT Barnum couldn't have written a better script. <laughs> you just had that, that gut feeling. You want to sit there and deny it. You don't want to believe the media, you know, half the time, you know, where these sources and stories come from, et cetera. But you kind of knew the writing was on the wall when you already you were hearing about the Astros and their scandals and some of the names. And I'll tell you, Jay, as soon as Alex Cora's name came out in that report, I, the, the writing was on the wall. Hmm. And it was just absolutely positively inevitable that they were going to let him go. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. This organization went from being perennial contenders for the next five years, and now you're looking at them, absolute dysfunction. This this organization is falling apart. I mean, when I first heard the news about Cor, like I said, writing was on the wall. You knew it was going to happen, but when you sat there and saw that press conference mm. and saw Kennedy spew the garbage that he was spewing, I mean, first of all, when you're hearing rumors now, and it just absolutely disgusts me, Jay, that the only reason that they got rid of Cora right away is because they were hearing from the the, the upper tiers of Major League Baseball that they were going to take away that World Series from them. Mm. Wow. So when you hear something like that, I mean, they're not even doing it out of just the moral standards. I and mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And basically, through the whole press conference, it was nothing but Cora, 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 Cora. I mean, they were just basically, they, they threw him under the bus Threw him overboard on the yacht. I mean, it, I mean, absolutely disgusting. And not to get off the, the subject with Cora and what's going on. I mean, when you look at this organization now, I mean, this organization is falling apart right now. I mean, this is a team that you just heard for months. Oh, we're going to get under the tax threshold. We're going to do this. 
Where? There's still 20 million over. Mm. Oh, we're going to make moves. <laughs> we're going to improve the team. Jay, what have they improved? Bargain basement. I haven't even heard of half these guys that they've been getting on these waiver wires. <laughs> you know, their best player, they don't know whether he's coming or going. Which is a joke. It's, it's this organization. I mean, how from two years ago? I mean, literally. You're thinking at least for a good five, six years that this core was going to be good, maybe squeezing another World Series. And now you look at them, and this literally falling apart. And the only sad thing I can really say about this, Jay, is that Cora was beloved. Yeah. You know, by the players, by the city. And you're thinking, hey, this is a guy that could maybe stick around for another 10 years. Hey, maybe sneak in another World Series victory. And my God, he's got the key to the city. And now, uh, this guy's lucky if he gets a job in uh, San Juan in Venezuela right now. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Just an embarrassing time for the organization, an embarrassing time to be a Red Sox fan. It's it, it's very shameful. It's very hurtful right now. And you know, like I was uh, telling friends of mine and other people that I, I, this is never going to change. I mean, this team could win ten World Series in the next thirty years. The chance, the 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 haunting is always going to be the aura of the cheating of the Red Sox. I mean, no matter where you go, and. You can't even walk the street with a Red Sox shirt. I mean, could you imagine right now going into Yankee Stadium and oh. wearing a Red Sox hat? I mean, you're never going to hear the end of it. Uh, I'll tell you right now, it's just it's shameful. It's embarrassing. Uh, it's something that's not going to go away right away. And with this organization right now, they want to rip the Band-Aid off. But guess what? The wound is still not healed. You're right about that. And before we even get into the whole news with the scandal and everything that's happened to not only the Astros, your team, obviously, that you've articulated, and even with the Mets. But as far as the organization is concerned, when Dave Dombrowski was shown the exit at, what was it, sometime in August or whenever it was, maybe after the trade deadline, and I get that it was a pretty tough spot considering that they just came off winning a World Series, and I understand that they had to give the extension to sale. Did it have to be $150 I guess it did, but now who knows what sale is going to be like moving forward. And we all know David Price, he's the one guy that they're trying to ship out of town to get under that luxury tax because they want to make sure that they could do whatever they can to woo Mookie Betts to be part of this organization for moving forward. But we, even, we don't even know as far as that's concerned. So with all that being said, it is amazing to think how, even just with the cheating aside, you have an organization coming off a World Series really 15 months ago that now there's just so much uncertainty around this team. We all know about the bullpen issues that they had last year, which were they just... Ran, you know, they reared its ugly head throughout the course of the season and only winning 84 games. And then just to put the final layer of icing on top is this story. And when I saw this, J.D., the first thing I thought of, I said, this can't be true. But then when you think about Alex Cora and you think about 2017 oh. and everything and with the report that came out, Mike Fires And Fires, I don't even know how I feel about him. I understand he's, in some corners, he's a whistleblower. Uh, there's other corners where it's like, I'm glad that this has been brought to light because who knows how many other teams and to what extent that they've been doing this. But at the same time, as you said, the wound, not even has it even healed. The wound, it just continues to bleed right now because oh, absolutely, your head is spinning, Red Sox Nation is spinning, their heads as far as, as, far as everything that's gone on is concerned. And like you said, they got to get a manager in tow over the next, you figure, week or so because spring training is in about three weeks. And what this year is going to be like, I, I couldn't even imagine whether it up in the neck of the woods of Fenway and everywhere else, this is going to be a team that in the opposing ballpark, everybody is going to be waiting to boo upon. Oh, I, and I'm waiting for that with bated breath. No. I, 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 nothing has gone right with this organization. Or something. <clears throat> Where are the improvements? Yeah. You know, listen, you weren't asking, you knew that. They were over the tax threshold. They weren't going to be bringing in, uh, you know, multi-million dollar contracts. But I mean, you see, Sean Bloom. It's like he's operating like he's back in Tampa. And I don't know what they're doing upstairs to tell him, you know, listen, hey, what are we doing here? You know, Yankees have improved. You know, the Rays are going to be good. The athletics, et cetera, et cetera. The White Sox. All these teams have made improvements. Yeah. What have the Red Sox done this offseason? I mean, absolutely nothing. It just continues like a domino effect. And great point, Jay, bringing up the the manager position because, really, the internal guys, I, I mean, do they really Ron Renneke? I mean. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, really. You know, if I'm the Red Sox right now and if you're going to do something like that, you know what? You might as well just throw away the season. Let Renneke manage. Clean house next year. 
and do what you got to do. I, I already feel like going into the season, it's just going to be one of these dawn of the dead. Let's just get through the season. Lucky if they win 87, 88 games, not make the playoffs again. And I don't know what the plan is going to be because looking at this winter, I, I, please, could somebody explain to me? Because like hey, bargain basement guys, I'm, I'm seeing the Red Sox trading like low level single A guys for like pitches, and I've never heard of that have like seven and eighty RAs. I mean, really? This is how we're fixing the bullpen. This is how we're fixing the back of the rotation. I, I, I just don't get it. You know, I, you know, we're not going to really get uh, anybody when we go to the trade price. I mean, they they want to trade Mookie, like. You know, at this point, it's Trey J.D. Martinez. I mean, you know, unless he has a no-trade clause, which I don't think he does have, but <laughs> at this point, you know, I, I'd rather trade him. I don't get it, Jay. I, 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 this, this organization, you got a couple of nice pieces they're building around, but I just don't see the plan. I, I know it's going to take time, but as far as going to the season with the upgrades, they've done absolutely nothing to make that team better. No, they haven't. And I do like them hiring Heim Bloom. That was the guy I actually wanted last year for the Mets as far as their uh, vice president or GM of baseball operations. I was certainly looking at him. And we get it. This is the day of analytics. This is the age of everything with sabermetrics. And there's no way to avoid that. But because he came from a very good organization, young mind, baseball mind, I, I think that that was a very good pickup, a very good signing for you guys moving forward. Now, of course, he's coming into a firestorm right now and how he's going to be able to decipher all this and with the manager, and let me ask you this, I know you mentioned Ron Renicky. you would almost think that they would probably be best to go outside of the organization to hire a manager, because Renicky, obviously on the staff two years ago, and to be a part of what took place there, you would think that the last thing that they would want is to have a guy that worked on the Cora that, of course, you don't think they're going to have any sort of mastermind or any plans for some trickeration when it comes to sign stealing is concerned, but... I would almost think that they would have to go outside the organization to find a manager. What do you think? I thought so, too. But the names that you keep hearing, whether it's a Ron Redicke, whether it's a, a Carlos Fibles, I'm even hearing Jason Varitek or Tim Wakefield. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. But as far as outside the organization, I really haven't really heard any big names. I heard Bochi, but uh, I heard uh, last night he did, he's, he's not interested in coming back to manage. Right. Uh, baseball so really off the top of my head jay unless you have some names right now i mean you know what are we looking at uh you know a recycled uh buckshaw walter you know coming out from the grave now yeah i mean <laughs> right him uh where's mike Sosha these days dusty baker if you want to go the old guard and then as far as the young guys right you can look in-house with the guys you mentioned with uh Febles and i don't know if you want to put renicky there um right do you want to bring in jason varitek i would think with the analytical minds they would probably want to have somebody. Even, they, uh, Mark Kotze. Yeah, no, exactly. He's another guy that certainly has gotten a lot of buzz uh, this offseason. Uh, that's where baseball's going. Uh, they're going with the young guy because they want to collaborate. The front office upstairs, they want to collaborate with these managers because they don't want to have a guy like Buck who's going to go in there, fill out the lineup card, and then the GM's going to come down and be like, uh, you know what? We want to put this guy at second base tonight. Can we do that? And, you know, Buck Showalter's not having it. So it, that, that's where it's tricky. You know, you figure Buck would be a guy like Buck to come in, let's say just for two years. I don't know how long he wants to manage, but you figure two years to kind of get through this mess. And if he gets to a World Series and wins one, then you know what? Give him two more years and maybe explain that to him. And I'm sure Buck maybe would even take that. But of course, the mindset is you wonder what is going through, whether it's John Henry or even Hein Bloom. Are they looking at a guy that's going to be for the long term? Do they want to go to a young guy to kind of blossom and hopefully get the stink of uh, Alex Cora out of their system? Or, right, do they just bite the bullet and say, hey, let's just go with the proven guy. Hopefully in these two years we'll try to piecemeal it together and somehow, someway get to the promised land. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was even thinking maybe just somebody on a one-year rental type of deal. Oh, yeah, no, and, even that. And, yeah, just to get through the season and uh, you know, this way next year, hopefully that, you know, blooms plan will start coming into effect where some of these salaries are actually gone and he, he can do the, the you know the job like he did in Tampa with these just you know tremendous pickups and you know just signing guys for these uh you know low money and high reward type of deals but uh it just I mean just the organization is just it's an absolute mess it's an absolute mess Man, I, thought? I couldn't even yeah I, I couldn't even tell you what's gonna happen this year I'm, I'm just looking at sale for the an inevitable Tommy John surgery. Mm. I mean, you, you basically know what you're going to get from Price this year. Um, you know, Rodriguez was definitely uh, 
uh, a shining diamond last year, but you know, with him, you're never gonna get a guy that's gonna have a you know a two five ERA and strike out two hundred fifty three hundred people. Um, you really don't have a lot of young arms coming from the organization. You know, you've got some pretty decent position players, but uh, you know, right now, you know, you just really gotta sit and brave. You're a Red Sox fan that you know you take the bait. You know, whether it's Price, whether it's Jackie Bradley, uh, you know, after that, you know, I really have no idea because, you know, really right now, when you look at that roster, you probably just have three solid untouchables right now in Bogarts, Devers, and Betts. And after that, yeah. to me, in my opinion, you know, everybody else could, you know, be traded. Now, do you think Alex Cora is going to be back in baseball? I mean, who knows what this investigation, how, what they're going to find. I think he's. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be suspended indefinitely. I don't know if they're going to right away give him a lifetime ban, but considering what he did in Houston and now what he did here in Boston, you would think he's going to be suspended. It has to be indefinite because maybe for reinstatement after three years, five years, I can't see him being on a baseball field considering that he certainly compromised the integrity of the game. I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah, without question. Like, like I alluded to earlier, he'll be lucky if he gets a job as a manager in a sandlot in Venezuela somewhere. I mean... Yeah, there's no way. I think maybe an ideal situation for him, he'll probably go back to his native Puerto Rico, you know, probably, you know, hook up with one of those teams there because there's just no way. I just I just can't see see him ever, you know, not, probably not, not even being like a, a stat guy for an organization right now. I, I, I really don't see it. I, I would not be surprised if uh, Major League Baseball and uh, Uncle Rob over there wants to throw a lifetime ban on him. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, the investigation is going to be interesting considering they're coming off the heels of this one with the Astros. Uh, and I'll say this, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way. Whether it's 2017, 2018, you can't take the titles away. I, I get that as a fan. You're going to look at it with a little bit of a, not, maybe not even a little bit, with an asterisk if you want to. Uh, how I look at it is you can't take those titles away. I'm sorry. They're not giving the rings back. They're not taking, Major League Baseball is not going in those ballparks to pull those banners down. Uh, as a fan, however you want to look at it. So if you're a Yankee fan, a Dodger fan, whoever it may be, and you want to think that, oh, well, they don't deserve it, you have a right to feel that way. But at the same time, if somebody's going to ask me 40 years from now, oh, hey, what happened with that uh, the 2018 Major League Baseball season? I'm going to say the Red Sox won a World Series. And 2017, the Astros won a World Series. Uh, I, I'm sure you probably feel the same way about that, J.D., despite the oh, fact. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm come on. Major League Baseball, at worst, we'll probably see an asterisk in the record books. Yeah. So... Yeah, but- like you just said, man, as far as taking down the banners and all that other, man, it's it's not going to happen. Not. Yeah, and Cora is going to be, and that's the thing. Cora is the guy, listen, do we know for sure? Uh, but I would think he's the mastermind. Uh, Hinch, I don't know if he's going to see the light of day. Uh, obviously, he's suspended for a year. Will somebody hire him as a manager? I'm sure if somebody's desperate, they probably would. Even though with this report that Manfred had pulled out there, I was it on Monday, how Hinch was upset and furious to know that this was going on that he smashed one of the monitors but at the same time he didn't tell the guys to stop it or certainly didn't enforce everybody to say hey we need to pull the plug on this right now or if not you know i'm there's going to be some heads rolling or whatever maybe so you know hinch obviously does take a hit here but at the same time it wasn't as as if hinch and cora devised some sort of master plan to say okay what can we do as far as relaying these signals from the bowels of Minute Maid Park with the drum. And my, I mean, I just, when you see some of these videos, now, of course, can you believe everything you see? No, but it just, when you put two and two together, you just can't believe that they came up with this. It's, it's comical. Oh, it's I mean, unbelievable. It's not funny, but, you know, my God, like I mentioned to a friend the other day, I said, wow, you know, if Alex Horror ever goes broke, you know, he can go to like a, a, a Beckett, uh signing and sign garbage cans and, you know some <laughs> memorabilia yeah i mean oh i mean i'm real yeah i you know skimming through the report i'm not gonna say that i read every word but you know, reading a lot of that it, it was very telling it, it was absolutely telling and it was definitely intriguing reading but some of the just stuff I, I i just stood there shook my head just numb absolutely numb mm. And the thing is, I don't know about the the buzzers and the wires and the devices on the underneath the jerseys. I know that you, I'm oh. sure you saw the video with Altuve where he's pulling his jersey, saying, "Hey, you know, don't pull on my jersey," and then came up with the lamest excuse known to man when he was asked in the post game about, "Oh, hey, how come you didn't want the guys to rip off your jersey?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, of course, my wife doesn't want uh, the guys to rip it off because you know she's going to get jealous." I mean, please. I mean, not to say that he's caught red-handed right there, but he does have an undershirt on underneath. It's not like he's just going there. 
you know, without anything under his jersey, but uh, usually the under uniform underneath, he's wearing one of those uh, wick, speed wick type shirts where obviously he's going to absorb the sweat. But it, I tell you, man, it is the one thing I will say about just the Astros in general. And I get it's not going to be a 2011 Miami Heat thing, but it's going to be very intriguing how they're going to be accepted and how receptive the fans will be going next year. It's almost going to be, I'm not going to say it's going to be musty TV because baseball, as we all know, is regional. But it's going to be interesting to see the venom that's going to be spewed by some of these fans. I think they come to Yankee Stadium in September, which talk about, oh. nobody's going to even care at that point. I mean, I'm sure the, maybe some of the Dynamo Yankee fans. It's too bad that series wasn't in late April, early May because that would be, that would be musty TV. But at the same time, this, this this is the bad guy. This is a team where, and maybe to a certain extent, the Red Sox, we got to see what happens with the investigation, how deep it is, because I'm sure that those Yankee Red Sox games, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know what that's going to be like. But with all that being said, it's going to be fascinating to know going into next year, what type of reception this, this Astro team in particular, because they were smug, you know, they were arrogant. We know the characters that are on that team. That they think that they're, uh, you know, God's gift to baseball considering the success over the last few years. And now that they got caught and everybody's going to be mum and not say anything as far as, oh, well, you know, they're not going to point fingers or they're not going to certainly divulge a lot as Josh Reddick did yesterday at the Astros caravan. But it's, I'm telling you, man, it's definitely going to be interesting from spring training on how the Astros, how they handle all this moving forward in this 2020 season. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And, and it's not over yet it's not over no. yet it's like every morning i wake up and there's always something new i'm i'm just like i said waiting with bated breath just to see what's going to transpire within the next couple of weeks yeah and who knows how long this investigation i mean it has to you would think maybe by spring training <clears throat> when pitchers and catchers report in february for the red sox now i don't know if they just started or if this has been ongoing but um I mean, i'm sure it's been ongoing now but at the same time how far down the road will any of these suspensions especially with Cora I mean you're definitely gonna have to start with him uh and the one thing is and now I'll transfer I'll go ahead and go over to Carlos Beltran because the one thing about that report of course they're gonna implicate him only because he's not a player anymore and I got into an argument with somebody today saying because I'm in the camp where I'm glad that the Mets let Beltran go and I'm in the minority a lot of Mets fans are like oh well that happened in Houston why why does he need to get fired here it's a totally different thing and I'm trying to explain to them and they're still not getting it but the thing is is that with him his association with Cora and him being part of this whole scheme you would think that could you imagine this JD going into the season if the Mets sat on their hands and said oh no we're going to keep Beltran on the team and imagine if they get off to a slow start, then everybody's going to think, well, he's not cheating. That's why the Mets are playing terrible. And then they have this cloud that's over them the whole year. And let's say if the Mets get off to a great start and they're having a good season, the all-star break, who knows? Maybe they're a game out of first or in first place. Everybody's going to think he's cheating. So I thought, to me, it was a no-brainer. People are going crazy thinking about, oh, you didn't give this guy a chance. Oh, you just threw him out the door. Uh, that's just insane. How are you going to do that? That's why the Mets were a joke. No, the Mets would have been more of a joke if we would have kept him here. And on top of that, Brody's stupid response yesterday in the, in the press conference about him coming out saying, well, when asked about, did you know about what was going on here with the whole situation with the Astros? And he said, well, no, we hired him the week before that. And then they said, okay, well, what about afterwards? Did you approach him? He says, no, we deferred to Major League Baseball to conduct their investigation. And then we talked to him afterwards. What are you doing? Well, of course, that's what you get. We're a guy, Brody Van Wagen, who was an agent. And he became, a, you know, I could be the GM of the team. But it's just a disgrace because the Met fan and a lot of the people look at this situation and think, okay, well, if you're going to look at Beltron, as the guy that's going to come here and save your team and you're going to throw him out the window, what, the, what does that mean for the next guy? Who cares? Bring in the next guy because I think Beltron would have been a flop here. We, I understand we'll never know that, but at the same time, he's not good with the media. And on top of that, he had, who would have had to answer all these questions? And if he wasn't going to be 100% to the media and to the organization, this would have been just an out-and-out disaster. So I, I, I tell you, it, uh, it reminds me when I'm looking at the CEO, Kennedy, the Red Sox, and he's just spewing the garbage that he's spewing. And you would think after the 2017 uh, Apple Watch incident, yeah, listen, you know, let's you know buckle down, let's tighten the belt, let's do, you know, but just to sit there with the we didn't know what was going on and just the, yep. the constant blaming of Cora and Cora and Cora. I mean, this makes the 2011 uh, uh, fried chicken and beer uh, year look like oh. uh, you know paradise. <laughs> and, That's right. You know? And what kills me is that you know the Red Sox are over here getting pats on the back. Mm. Yeah, really? 
Really? I, I, if if you didn't, uh, you know, get rid of Cora, I mean, Jay, like, like no, they just had a, to. come on. No, no, and they're getting pats on the back? Oh, no, no, and that was the thing. When Monday, I'll never forget, I recorded the podcast, I put it out two hours later, the suspensions came down on the GM, Jeff Lunau, and of course, Hinch. And then an hour later, uh, Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, fired those guys. The minute he fired them, I said, Cora's dead. I said, there's no way Cora is going to live to see this, considering that his, he has his fingerprints all over this 2017 Astro thing. So how's he going to live with the Red Sox? And then the next day when he gets fired, that's when I went on Facebook. I went on Facebook Live because I said, I'm not going to put it on a podcast. I'm putting this sucker on video. That I said, if Carlos Beltran is the manager of this team after whatever it is, then forget about it. This is going to be the biggest disaster that the Mets will ever incur. And look at that. 48 hours later, he was gone. And it's amazing because a lot of the fans aren't thinking from the standpoint of, wait a second, despite the fact that this happened in Houston, this is a situation where it's no win for him. And if he's not going to be forthright with the organization, just like I said, and obviously during the press conference, better yet, J.D., could you imagine? Let's say first day of spring training, even if Beltran was still the manager. If he sat down with Jeff and Brody, and he says, all right, here it is. This is the press conference of all press conferences. We're going to spend as long as you want talking about the Astro thing. After today, that's it. It's over. It's done. And he they answered those questions 100% honest. Then you know what? Then he could be the manager of the team. But, J.D., you and I both know oh, come on. that is never happening. Oh. <laughs> that's why he had to go, people. Oh. Think about it. That's why he had to go. Well, I tell you. Uh, uh, is this, you know, uh, uh, please. And yeah, as far as the Met manager, I don't know. Is it Eduardo Perez? Are they going to keep uh, uh, Hensley Mullins? They're not going the route of Buck, Mike Sosha, Dusty Baker. Uh, just promote Hensley Mullins, who was the bench coach of the team, to manager. He's a guy that obviously he was on Bruce Bochy's staff for so many years in San Francisco. Give him the job. You know, he's paid his dues. I'm sure, and listen, that's the other thing with Beltron too. Beltron's going to be a puppet here on top of that regardless. I don't care how great of a babysitter he is. I don't care how much everybody loves him. To me, that doesn't matter. To me, forging those relationships in this day and age, I understand it's important, but at the same time is, you got to know when to make moves, double switch through, and and he may have, and I'm sure he has a great baseball mind. I can't knock that. But at the same time, playing in this market on this team that has been dying for a championship, and we all know that Beltron is not media savvy, to please, come come on, people. You got to get a clue. Oh. I tell you, I just, you know, I mean, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the one that I need to take a step back and say, you know what, maybe they should have given Beltron a chance. But no, to me, if he never came clean and was going to come clean with the media day one, then this was never going to work. It's something just had to be done. Yeah. question. To me, there's just absolutely, there's no justifying him staying on that scene. No. I mean, exactly. And listen, and nothing personal, it's just business. And that's not to say that Beltron's a bad guy and he was very contrite. Uh, he had a statement there yesterday. I don't know if you saw it or heard it, but uh, his statement was saying that uh, you know he prides on integrity and being a good father, husband, etc. And that uh, you know, obviously he let his family down, he let himself down, whatever. And so he was guilty. And I understand he's he's not going to get into the minutia or every little single detail if it was ever broached to him. I get that, but that's all you needed to hear. And this is the problem that Brody and Jeff didn't do. That after this story came out. That on November 11th, when Mike Fires blew the whistle, that, I'm sorry, that evening or that next day, phone to Carlos Beltran, hey, listen, we got to meet up on this. You got to tell us everything right here. Forget about Major League Baseball and their investigation. Forget about deferring to them. We need to know all the facts right now, and please come clean. And if Beltran wasn't going to come clean, eh, goodbye. Or if he was going to come clean and the, the details were that dirty, then you make your mind. Now, listen, I understand they're not going to fire him before the investigation. I get that, too. But the thing is, is that they acted so slow on this and deferred to Major League Baseball as if they just wanted to bury their heads in the sand. And it's just, ah. I, I tell you, J.D., I mean, it's just when you think it can't, it, it's going to get worse. It just it oh, gets beyond oh, I that. I tell you, this is must-see TV without question. I'm I'm just waiting another month from now, two months the Alicor uh, Sports Center special, you know, the half an hour uh, sit down interview. Yeah, I, I, I'm really dying to like. I'm, I'm so like intrigued by this right now, but at the same time, a little bit sick to my stomach though. No, yeah, no, it's it's been too much. I mean, it's been fascinating. It's been, it's been riveting because you know we haven't seen anything like this. You know, the steroid scandals of all that with Jose Canseco, and I understand he pulled the plug. Uh, you know, he started that whole thing, was the spark plug of that. But obviously, we got sick of that. 
But this is something that we've never seen to the likes of where you had three managers and a GM fired within a 72-hour time frame. I mean, it's, it's, please, we've never seen that. So that's why, in that regard, that's where it's fascinating. And of course, we're two of the teams, obviously, winning the World Series in the last, you know, three years. And then you have an organization with the Mets. As we all know, they can't get, you know, they can't get out of their own way. And then they have to fire their manager before he even steps on the field. So... Yeah, we will Let me ask you something. Uh, maybe you could spread a little light on this. I haven't read the article, but I heard uh, Jack McDowell. Yeah, could you believe that? Uh, out La Russa? Oh yeah, he destroyed him. Oh he, yeah, he came out today saying that in the old Comiskey Park, where and McDowell, I know he started his career in the late '80s, and I forgot how long La Russa was there. I know La Russa was there in '83 when they played the Orioles in the uh, ALCS, but I guess he was there maybe till no, because he he was gone by then. He was already in Oakland, of course, because in '89, but. So yeah, he buried La Russa big time saying that there was a camera in center field and that it was all instigated by Tony La Russa. Now, La Russa's got to have to come clean. Now, mind you, he didn't win any World Series with Chicago uh, when he was there. And I'm not going to start speculating, oh, what did he do in Oakland? I mean, those Oakland teams were loaded and they only won one World Series. So, you know, if they were that good, if they were that dominant, they would have won all three. And remember, they lost to the 88 Dodgers. I mean, that team had nobody on there. So, uh, but still, yeah, it doesn't look good on La Russa right now. And I don't know why Jack McDowell has a, uh, maybe he has an vendetta on him. And this was the time to come out and say, considering that all this has come to light. But yeah, that was, uh, that was surprising because you haven't heard from what Jack man? McDowell in forever. Who's next? No. That, that, that's what I'm dying to hear. That's what I'm dying to wake up tomorrow to my notifications on my phone now. Yeah. Who knows? But, this is every uh, morning. This is every day. I turn around. <laughs> There's something new. Right. And, uh, and who would have thought that in the week leading up to the championship games in the NFL that it would just totally be obliterated by what's happened in baseball? Like, right? like you don't even know that there's championship games this weekend. I mean, considering that's all you've heard left and right is just this whole scandal. Well, you, have, you really haven't. I mean, you know, uh, I don't want to get off the subject, but, you know, the NBA has been a little blase this year. There's uh, some nice stories, but overall, you know, hockey, it is what it is. And, and, you know, like you just said, it, it, the, I don't even have, like, the vibe of a championship weekend right now. And I'm not saying that because, of course, uh, you know, my favorite team is not there. But <laughs> Which we'll know, talk I, about. I, I, yeah, I don't feel that juice. I don't feel that electricity, uh, you know, this weekend. It has really nothing to do with the teams or anything. But it definitely has something that you just mentioned. This baseball thing, I mean, literally, I mean, this is just worldwide news. Yeah, it's been so consuming and... You know, maybe if it didn't affect our team, I mean, of course you're going to follow it because we haven't seen anything like this, despite the fact that we know sign stealing has been going on since the beginning of time. I mean, you go back to the 51 uh, Do- Giants and Dodgers there, Brooklyn and the New York Giants were obviously a big rival back then, but not to the likes of this. And considering Rob Manfred after the Apple Watch thing in 2017, his edict was saying, hey, listen, no more technology can be used when it comes to anything. You know, it, only the replay reviews or replay monitors that you have in a dugout whether it's a foul ball home run etc but boy did uh, they go above and beyond and certainly uh stuck their two middle fingers right in the uh, commissioner's face prior to this and then now obviously he stuck it right back to them at least to the astros right now and we'll see what happens with the red sox so but uh yeah we'll get off that jd as far as football is concerned i guess we could talk about these games but with you being a huge cowboy fan and Here's the only question I have. Now, of course, it's over and done with, whatever, but why did Jerry Jones take literally, like, he took a month and a half to just give the softest of landings for one Jason Garrett. I get that he's part of the family. I get that they go way back. He's you know, a lifelong cowboy. I understand he's not Troy Aikman, but at the same time, he's a guy that's been part of the family forever. There comes a point where you would think that Monday morning after the season, Jason, please come into my office. This is the toughest decision I had to make. You're like a son to me, but you know, just know that this is not personal. It's just business. We're going to have to let you go. Why did they have to wait till the following Sunday to say that we have to no longer use your services, Jason Garrett? It, I mean, it's... Uh, oh, J.D., come on. Yeah. Shine the light, please. I mean, the writing was on the wall. And, you know, and he goes on for months and months and... You know, this is just Jerry. And the only excuse I was giving Jerry at the time, I thought, you know, maybe that he wanted to promote Jason Garrett to a front office position, scouting position, et cetera. And maybe they were trying to work something out. But, I mean, he made it seem like yeah, that Garrett was Landry. You know, <laughs> he brought three Super Bowls. You know, he's been there for 20 years. You know, and I can understand, yeah, the breakup was going to be hard. And I get it. I say, there's a guy, and, I, and I'm being nice. This yeah. guy should have been fired three years ago. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, Man, this is being nice. You yeah. know, you got people out there that say, please, he shouldn't even last it after the fourth, fifth year. Yeah. And, you know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because yeah, he was trying to build his 
quote unquote his culture and bring in the quote unquote the right guys, the Garrett guys, etc. So okay, fine. But I mean, easily this guy should have been fired three, four years ago. And I'm yeah. not going to sit here and you know and, and waste people's time and go and saying why. But that that's just typical Jerry. Uh, you know, he wants to sit back with the cigar in one hand and the sift of the brandy in the other. And hey, Jay, bottom line is we're all with Jerry. No matter who's there, you want to bring George Hollis from the grave. <laughs> you know, you want to get Vince Lombardi from the grave. As long as Jerry's there, he is always going to be the problem without question. And I'm not going to believe anything until I see it. Now, is it starting off good so far with Mike McCarthy? Absolutely. He's actually letting him pick his coaches, which I'm I'm utterly shocked. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you can't even do that for a new head coach, it's like don't even bother going. I mean, really, if Jerry Jones was going to dictate what coaches were going to stay and who was going to leave. But, AJ, uh, I mean, you know, we, we could sit here for hours and hours and talk about the last 25 years of Dallas and just the the – other joke of moves that Jerry Jones has done to this organization just absolutely just ripped it apart from the inside out. Well, here's the crazy thing. The irony of ironies, like you said, you would think that the reason why he took forever to let go of Jason Garris because you thought he won three Super Bowls and won, you know, 10 straight division titles. Well, the guy that won the two Super Bowls and technically the third was on Jerry is Jimmy Johnson's team. We all know Barry Switzer was the coach of that team. But he couldn't wait to get. He couldn't wait to throw him out of Dallas, you know, faster than he signed him. And the, the irony is, is that if you still would have had Jimmy Johnson, maybe not now, he wouldn't be with the team for you know thirty years. Because of course, in this day and age, you're not going to have a coach probably no more than ten years unless you're in Foxborough. But with that being said, he lets him go, and to me, that was the beginning of the end. Despite the fact that Switzer won him a Super Bowl two years later, but again, that's uh, Jimmy Johnson's team. And the last time you're on the podcast, JD, is like I said to you then that night. I'll never forget. We were together. January 28th, 1996, you just won three out of the last four. And if I would have looked into your eyes, J.D., I said this would be the last time not only will you win a Super Bowl, but you won't even make it to a conference championship in the next 25 years. You would have looked at me and said, Jason, you are bugging out. And here we are almost 25 years later, and that has been the case. I know. Can you believe it? I mean, it's amazing. You can't, you can't make it up. Uh, uh, you really can't. I mean, like I said, I'm not going to waste the, the... – Listen, this time going through the the whole sham of what this organization has been for the last twenty five years, but it's just all on Jerry. I mean, yeah. what else can you say? No, you can't. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's really nobody else to blame. I mean, you could sit here and point fingers, you know, whether it's been Romo, whether it's been the half hearted defenses that that Dallas had put out for the last decade, Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett. I mean, we could go on and on oh. and on and on. And the bottom line is just Jerry Jones. <laughs> he will not stop meddling. And I'm just tired of the, uh, the the thing that just gets me so sick and tired. Well, if you own the team as well, you would be doing the same thing. Uh, no, I'm not. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I could have uh, $10 trillion tomorrow, go buy Apple, and I'm going to walk in there thinking that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. He just doesn't learn. It's it's just the egomaniac in him. It's just he just has this thing where he has to be meddling. And right now, like I tell everybody else, you know, if I'm Steven right now, and the sad thing is you're starting to see little traits little by little. You know, mm. you would have thought he would have moved away from that. I'm Steven right now. I'm having a hard time with my dad. You know, listen, uh, you're not a spring chicken anymore. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know, let's be real. You know, do you want to see one before you pass away? Yeah. You know, but at the rate that he's going, I mean, please let Mike McCarthy do what he has to do. Let Will McClay do what he has to do. I understand the last couple of drafts have been really hit or miss. Um, but we can't have Jerry in this war room anymore. I, I mean, I'm just no. tired of the circus. I'm just tired of the Ringling Brothers attitude. I, I mean, come on. You look at other war rooms and everybody's serious. Yeah, you know, I look at the Dallas War Room. They're, they're popping champagne bottles. <laughs> There's about 60 people in there. Why? Why? It just it just goes on and on and on. Like I said, please, just let Mike McCarthy, you know, do what he has to do. I'm seeing now that he retained Kellen Moore, which makes me think. I understand McCarthy signed for a five-year deal, but maybe they are trying to groom Kellen Moore for, a, you know, a head coach position in the future. You know, Mike McCarthy, he's not a spring chicken himself. But you know, at least he's letting him have his coaches. Hopefully he'll let him get the players that Dallas needs because, eh, let's face it, uh, Dallas, I'm not saying they're the most talented team in the league, 
But there's no way this team shouldn't have made the playoffs. This no, season. exactly. I mean, come no. on. You know, I'm not saying Super Bowl and they were going <laughs> to run away with everything, but that's just absolutely inexcusable for them not to win that division and get to the playoffs. No, you're dead on with that, J.D. And here's the other thing, too, about Jerry Jones, and I'll say this. I understand when he bought the team and it was a struggle for him and we understand he made all his money in uh, oil and he was ready to go. Dallas Cowboys put all his chips in the middle of the table. It's a big gamble, etc. We get that. And even after the early success, winning those Super Bowls, and but you would think that over time, as time is ticking on, that yes, he's still going to have the ego as big as the state of the, that he lives in. But you would also look at it and say, you know what, maybe I do need to take a step back. You know what, I'm not that young guy anymore. I'm not the guy that has the flashy new car. Kind of like David Tepper right now of Carolina. Hedge fund guy, has a zillion dollars. Drove down to, or wherever it was, I think it was uh, wherever where Matt Rule was, brought his bags after his vacation in Mexico, handed over the check of seven years and $60 million. You know what, that's a guy that's saying, look at my shiny new toy. And he's pretty much, because he's an NFL owner, he's kind of showing off that, yeah, I have all this money, I can attract this guy, I got my coach, I don't care how much I had to pay him because I got the money, that's it. That's something that Jerry would have done many years ago. And not to say that he would do that, but just having that bravado. And you would think that after all these years, and even after all the whispers, and I'm sure that he's heard it from Edwarders and everybody else in the world, that, hey, listen, Jerry, we know this is your team, and we can't tell you anything. You own this team. But at the same time, if you just took your, just a little bit off the gas, if you put your foot off the gas a little bit, and kind of have everybody else in particular just to kind of do their job and to not be so visible, then who knows? Maybe somehow, some way, you'll get that championship as opposed to just being the guy that everybody goes to to answer the question. Or you being the spokesperson, the head coach, the everything, the janitor, whatever it may be. And it's a shame because you would think that with all the success he had early on and not having that Super Bowl success recently, that he would be more in the background than he'd be in the foreground. It seems like he's been more in the foreground than he's ever been. You know, the, the only one in the NFL that has mini press conferences after a game i've never seen this in my life <laughs> no exactly i mean has his own radio show yeah you know fine you want to do that hey listen i know you want to be in the spotlight like you just mentioned you're not getting any younger hey fine have your fun there but please hey, like you just said please just take a step back let these let these coaches do what they have to do let will mcclay draft who he wants to draft and just please i jay it just gets to a point already it's just, it just, oh God, you know, it when does it stop? It's just 25 years of frustration. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing else to say. Like I said, you can point the fingers at everybody else, you know, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the players, you know, what? It's right. Just, it's Jerry. It's Jerry. There's nothing more to say when it comes to this organization. It's, it's always going to be about Jerry. And I just hope that this ghost doesn't haunt the organization once he passes away. Yeah. No, and right, and who knows? Hopefully, that's not for a long time. Obviously, he wanted to continue to live, despite the fact that, right, you know, his uh, shadow will always be overcast throughout that stadium and that organization, and rightfully so. We understand he's the owner; we get that. But you know, and Robert Kraft, I understand Robert Kraft's everywhere too, and you always see him with his shirts with the white collars and in the in the uh, what's it called in his luxury suite and all that. Robert and it's khakis, the, the uh, right, exactly. And you know, you see him with that dopey look half the time. But at the same time. Right. It's not like, you know, he's won all these Super Bowls and it says, hey, I got to, you know, stick my head in there just to kind of throw in my two cents. If anything, they're going to Rob Kraft because they want to talk about the next scandal, whether it's the Flake Gate, whether it's Spy Gate, whether it's whatever gate. So that's why he's always seems to be in the mix. But, you know, the, obviously, if he took a, just a page out of his textbook, and not that they're going to do that, but we all know the old boys club or the old men's club, whatever you want to call it, you would think that. Oh, listen, I, I, I'm not trying to pick on Jerry Jones by any stretch of imagination, but I do feel your frustration because, you know, whenever you have an owner that's just so visible, and obviously we understand that he's a larger than life guy, but when he just consumes the whole team, obviously that's where it becomes a problem. And the sad thing is, is that he doesn't want to win. You know, it's not yeah. a thing where I know a lot of people want to say, ah, oh, he just wants to make his money and. You know, he doesn't care about the team. You know, that I definitely disagree because he definitely wants to win. I mean, you see the passion that he has in it. You know, he's not one of these, you know, guys from like Saudi Arabia that just bought the team and it's his brand new little toy. Yeah. And, you know, he really doesn't care. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you got to be real understand. Yeah, you know, you, you play college ball. You're a decent guy at Arkansas. You know, you, you definitely have, you know, football roots and ties and I get it. But, you know, it just, you know, it comes at a time you really got to look yourself in the mirror and just say, hey, you know, listen. 
you know, let somebody else do what they got to do because obviously what I've been doing for the last 25 years is obviously not working. And what kills me, you know, from from the pedigree that he's been, you know, uh, really like basically like a gambler, a guy that's taking chances all his life and, you know, the, uh, a, a lot more hits than misses and, you know, absolutely you know, flourishing in, you know, the oil business and everything. And you would think he would see these things and say, hey, you know why? You know, let me go out and get the good coach. Let me, you know, go step back because obviously things are not, you know, working here. You know, maybe this is it. And I'm not saying, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to be the Messiah and, you know, they're going to win two Super Bowls in the next five years. But, you know, to see at least somebody with that pedigree that's coming in, that you, you know that it's not going to be another five and 11 year and. It's going to be the Dave Campo years yeah. or, you know, the, the Shane Gailey years. You know, it's not going to be anything like that. You know, at least he brings some credibility. You know, he definitely brings a, a toughness that obviously the organization was missing. Um, you know, they definitely need this energy. They needed this spark. Uh, you know, more than anything, they just really needed credible coaching because uh, I'm really not going to get into Garrett. I mean, 13 years with that organization and – He's just never improved. And, you know, he he hit a ceiling a long time ago. And, you know, listen, I don't you know, I don't blame the guy. I mean, you know, everybody saw it. You know, I I mean, really, you know, anybody that follows American football, I mean, the world knew it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Jerry, with the the attachments and the loyalty, you know, but after a while, like you said, it's business. You got to put this to the side because the sad thing is, you know, the reality is, is that people are still going to go to the games. They're still going to buy the freaking jerseys. And I don't care what anybody says about Oh well, you know I'm not going to the games anymore, and so they change coaches, or yeah. you know Jerry's not, you know passes away or whatever. Hey, stop it, you know you're still gonna have your freaking ninety ninety nine thousand thousand uh, people in the stands at AT and T, and you know that's not gonna change. You know let, let's be real about that, but you know maybe he's making the steps forward. You know, but I say this now and then, you know come OTAs he's out there with the shorts and the polo, and you know. Yeah. Pointing at players and whispering in coaches' ears, and uh, oh boy. I, I do like McCarthy though. I thought he was better than maybe bringing in a Lincoln Riley or some of these young whippersnappers, uh, whether it's the hot assistant or the hot college guy. Because we yeah, know we, I, I didn't really want the college coach. Yeah, if I wanted the college coach to come in. It would maybe be to, to be like an offensive guru or somebody like that. But I think they right they made the right move with Kellen Moore. I mean, you know, he did great with Dak, and I'm not saying you know Dak had an MVP type of year, but um, you know, you definitely saw the strides. You know, Kid and I know had a lot to do with that as well, but yeah, you know, you definitely saw strides in his play, and you would think you know now with this year, and especially now that he's not going to have a new offense, so you know, there's no excuses about oh well he's going into a new offense and he's starting to struggle. So, um, you know, I think that's a good thing as well, but. Uh, you know, Homer Coffee learned from, you know, Green Bay. You know, I know the rumors and, you know, the, the murmurs about, you know, his offense was getting stale in the last, you know, few years and he wasn't believing in the analytics. And, um, you know, he really took that year off to really dig deep inside himself. And it was a very interesting piece that uh, Peter King did on him. And, oh, I didn't read you that. Know, it looks like he's, yeah, he's really taking this series. He hired a whole bunch of guys. And, I mean, he got stats from Pillar to Post. And, you know, it really seems like he's uh, – transitioning to you know the quote-unquote the new nfl mm. and uh you know, you know i'm pretty excited you know i mean as a cowboy fan yeah we've had a couple of uh seasons with garrett that you know going into that season you know a lot of high expectations and you know i was pretty excited but uh you know i think for now you know listen i mean you know there's a team next year and i know the nfl's a year or uh thing but i mean this is a team that should go to the playoffs i mean you know i'm not saying they're gonna win 13 games but you know, for this team to not sneak into a wild card, yeah. you know, when you basically just really got to rebuild a, you know, a defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> All right, so now I got to change gears here. Now we talked about the NBA before, and the one thing for sure this year. Now we there has been some good stories, and we'll get to the Celtics in a second. But I have not gotten into the NBA. I understand the off season has been the. Everybody looks at the drama and where players are going to go, so on and so forth. But these games sometimes, I can't even... Like the other night, when I didn't even realize that Russell Westbrook, his first game in OKC was the other day. And I, I get not anybody's going to wrap their arms around that, or maybe Russell Westbrook, or even when Kawhi went back to Toronto. It's like, I find out like the day before, I'm like, oh wait, this is happening? The NBA, it's you get so lost in the season that unfortunately, and especially you're wrapped up in the football and... Even though football is weekly, but you, you just, I don't even focus on the NBA, I hate to say it, in the first two and a half months of the season. To me, it's just you know, 
Tough. There's, you know, there's a couple of people that are like that. You know, right around the start break, they'll they'll start like, okay, you know, all right, let let let's you know see the pretenders from the contenders, and I'll just you know check for the marquee games. Right. But you know, when you're home on a Friday night, and if I'm not mistaken, right now, uh, I think it's uh, who's playing now, Mavericks, and uh, I couldn't even tell you right uh, now. Doubt, yeah. To be know. honest, you know, I'm not running home for this. You know, Don oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I, you know. Up and coming, you know. I don't have to get into the whole song and dance, or whatever. But I mean, really, you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't be running home for this, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm even looking at NBA, you know, special edition tomorrow. I mean, Clippers, Pelicans. I mean, <laughs> I know. You know. I don't even care if Zion was whether he's there or not. You know, like at this point, I'm not running home for that. No. I mean, I don't know. Call me crazy, and you know, Jay, we're two basketball uh, cuckoos. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's not a thing where you know we don't watch the games or anything, but. You know, it's just something about the season. You know, it's like, I, to me, it's been like this the last, you know, couple of years. I mean, you know, I understand, you know, Golden State story this year. But, you know, it's the same thing. You know, you look at the East and, you know, it's Bucks, Celtics, you know, Sixers, Indiana. You know, you look at the West. I mean, you know, is there really anybody there that you're saying like, oh, my God, wow. You know, I didn't think they were going to be that good this year. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know, man. You know? Yeah, I know Utah's been on this run recently, but I mean, do you really expect Utah to get out of a conference uh, semifinal? I mean, and that's not to knock them. Uh, I'm sure that uh, a lot of people think that they possibly could go deep. Same for Denver. I know Denver now is a, has a two seed in the West. The one thing about the NBA this year, even though it's going to boil down to, it's either going to be Lakers, Clippers, Milwaukee, dare I say Boston in the final, because Boston, when they go up against teams that have length, that's when they have problems. Obviously, they haven't beaten the Sixers this year. Even though the game ended up being close, but they got destroyed in parts of the game yesterday against Milwaukee. And I, I listen, do you trust Miami? I can't say that. Toronto, eh, at the end of the day, probably not. Philly, you can't trust that team either. They need a shooter in the worst way, and they have too many bigs. Now, that could help them against a series, whether it's Milwaukee or Boston. But at the same time, between their coach, Brett Brown, who I couldn't trust as far as I could throw him, and at the same time, Embiid, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, as talented as he is, and he's a guy that certainly could be a force, is a force to be reckoned with, to me, he's Dwight Howard 2.0. And uh, I take it from you, J.D., from you said many years ago when we were on the pro- program together, when you said that he is never a leader of men and can never be trusted. And to me, that's Joel Embiid. Uh, I'm sorry. And he, he could put up those 37-21 games. He's a front-running type player when, it, when it's good, but when it's dirty and it's just ugly. And I understand the NBA is not like it was you know, 20-some-odd years ago, Knicks Heat, Knicks Bulls. But... Please, that first game in Toronto, that's all you need to know about Joel Embiid. The first game in Toronto, when Kawhi Leonard hit that shot that bounced a zillion times and he cried out of that arena, his first game back this year, no points. I mean, that's Joel Embiid. I mean, come on. Give me a break. How do you go? I'm not saying you had to go in there and score 46 and, you know, 25. But at the same time, to just put up zero points? I understand it's a product of the system. It's playing out in the perimeter where you see him half the time, but it's an absolute joke. I know I got off track here, but to me, at the end of the day, hopefully you may see Denver or Utah or maybe Toronto go back to a conference semifinal, but at the end of the day, as wide open as it may seem, it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, maybe Sixers, and hopefully Celtics will be the, probably the last team standing going for a title. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, Oladipo was healthy, you know, maybe I'd put uh, Indiana as a dark horse. But, I mean, really, after that, I mean, there's really, you know, Jay, like you just said, and, you know, going on to the Celtics. Uh, uh. Boy, I don't know. I mean, you know, I know people are clamoring about them getting a big and getting a big, and I get it. But, I don't know, man, the team looks like they're another, you know, year or two away. I mean, I just... Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the, the inconsistencies are absolutely maddening. I mean, I know they can sit there and talk about the bench, and yeah, they they are suffering without bench play. And Jay, we we've talked about it time and time again. I don't care who you are, I don't care how much talent you have, you win in this league with vets. Yeah, and that is one mistake that Ainge, you know, he wants to stockpile the picks, he wants to groom the kids, he wants. But after a while, when it's all said and done, you know, come the the, the, the goody gritty crunch time in the playoffs, and like you said, when things get nasty and dirty, and you know, you need those vets. You know, you can't depend on rookies to come off the bench in some of these series, and you know, and and start doing some of these things. They just, it's not going to happen. And uh, you know, that's one thing that the the Celtics are suffering is their bench. Yeah, that 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 lack that lack of big in the middle, and. Uh, 
you know, basically the inconsistencies of the young kids. You know, seems like you know Kemba's been fine. You know, I'd be very pleasant uh, surprise as far as you know, um, you know him taking the load on some of these scoring nights. And what I'm talking about with uh, the, the young kids with uh, Brown and Tatum. I mean, you know, absolute talents. Yeah, I mean, we already know, but. You know, I'm seeing a lot of inconsistencies still with these guys. You know, uh, bad shooting nights, nights that they don't show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I won't get into Gordon Haywood. I mean, to me, he's the guy. You know, I, I, I try to defend them, but you know, after a while, it's like you know, look, you know, I'm not asking for this guy. You know, uh, 28 and 10 a night, but I mean, you know, we got to stop blaming the injury now. Yeah, I mean, you know, flashes, yeah, and it's like great, and then all of a sudden the next day he's. Uh, you know, two of seven in 34 minutes. I mean. Yep. J.D., he's the guy. To me, he – and I'm not trying to put all the focus and all the blame on him because it's not – we all know it's a team game, et cetera. You know, Kemba can only do but so much. Obviously, Tatum and Brown, they're still – although they're three and four years respectively. I got that. Yeah, Tatum three years, Brown four years in the league. You know, they still haven't taken that leap to be that type of player that's just going to take over the team, especially when you have guys like Kemba and Hayward on the team. But to me, it's Hayward. And not because he makes the most money and not because he was a guy that was supposed to come in and not to be the savior either. But despite the fact that he's now almost two years after this injury or over two years now that I think about it. And right, we see those moments where you think, oh, geez, if we get this Gordon Hayward, and I'm not trying to say it has to be every night, but a guy that could be consistent, that could be anywhere between 18 to 22 and get anywhere between you know seven to nine, 10 boards. If he could do that, distribute at times and just be that type of player where now you have to worry about having to, I'm not going to not gonna double team him, but in a sense where you could kind of space the floor, he's a guy that could also attack the basket at times in Hayward. You have that, you're not going to have everybody's going to stand on the perimeter at times where you see like Tatum does or like Kemba does. or you know, And of course, Hayward's that type of player too. But at the same time, to me, I, I think it all boils on him because if he is anywhere close to an all-star form, not to say the team is unbeatable, but they certainly could go long and deep in the postseason, especially with his contribution. So... Oh, without question, and you and you've seen it in certain games where you know, the Celtics are like a well-oiled machine, and they're just passing that, whipping that ball around the perimeter, and you know they got their guys shooting well, and you know when when Gordon's hot, you know the the, the team looks great, but Jay, just too many times this year. I mean, he's just literally been called Reigns. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> you know it's disappointing. You know he's got one year left on his contract. Um, I don't see. Ainge is going to have to make a move. I'm not asking for a big move. I'm not asking for a blockbuster trade. But if he's really looking for this team to get to a conference final or a championship final, he's definitely going to have to make a move soon. Yeah, he does. You know, if, if he's going to stand pat and say, well, you know, look, listen, you know, I'm going to once again stockpile the picks. And, oh. You know, hopefully some of these guys pull through. Well, then, you know, it's going to be another year where, you know, depending on the matchup, you know, Celtics will be lucky to even get out of the second round. But, you know, if this is a year where he thinks, hey, you know, I have – all the confidence in the world in the team, IJ, he has to make a trade. No, he does. You know, now, who's out there, who's available, you know, I have, you know, no clue, but um, I just can't see him going uh, with this uh, same roster going to the playoffs. No, he, he's going to have to do something. I don't know who that person is, what that player is, but, uh, yeah, we just – the size that we did have in Aaron Baines and Al Horford, obviously it's still – it's – even just having those two guys out of, out of the lineup, it just shows how – and then, of course, when you have other teams – like the Sixers, even the Bucks, when they play against us, it's forget about it. It's a, it's a free for all, and there's just no way that we can be able to slow down Giannis, slow down you know a guy like Ben Simmons or even Joel Embiid for that matter. When you don't have anybody that can match up with him, and I'm sorry, you know Daniel Tice, you know please, that's not going to cut it. So, but um, I'll, I'll leave you with this, my friend, and I know we didn't get to talk about this, but considering I don't know if that Game Seven last year against St. Louis is still have a bad taste in your mouth, but what do you think about uh, your team this year as the Bruins are still riding high in the Atlantic, and do you see them going back and sealing the deal this year? Uh, the, the, the hangover is just, it's, it's like eminent. You know, you, you just saw it coming, riding on the wall. I'm, there's another team that made uh, bargain basement moves during the offseason. Uh, still haven't addressed the, the second line right wing. I, I just... You know, I, I've loved what Don Sweeney has done with that team. He, you know, he's compi- compiled a lot of good young talent. But we all know this team can't score. I, I mean, mm. if, that, if that first line is injured, <laughs> I mean, they're losing every game every night, 2-3-0. Yeah. It, it, it just it absolutely makes no sense. And, yeah, you could see it. I mean, it looks like they're going to set a record for ties. They'll probably end the year with about 29 ties. <laughs> I mean, 
it's baffling how this team loses shootouts. Mm. I mean, you know, they've got some pretty good skill players on those teams, and they're constantly losing overtimes and shootouts. And um, they, they they definitely need that that right winger. I mean, and it's it's definitely been prevalent for the last couple of years. I mean, you see the the writings on the wall, but uh, Sweeney just does not want to pull the trigger. He doesn't want to trade any of these young guys, and you know, I just don't get it. You know, I mean. They, they finally got rid of Backus, which, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, that was a, a monstrosity of a signing to, to begin with. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, they 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 definitely some juice. You know, their defense is fine. Um, you're just hoping now, Rast, that this concussion is, uh, you right. know, something that's yeah, not serious because, yeah, if, you, you know, you got to play the rest of the season with Halak, then, you know, you can forget about it. Um <laughs> Yes. Oh, we'll see what Sweeney does at the deadline. You know, you know, he's made some, you know, decent moves the last couple of years at the deadline. But no, we definitely need a scorer, and he's really just going to have to go into the cupboard and give up some of these like young defensemen he has uh, down in Providence. Uh, he's he's got to do it. I mean, because really, in all reality, yeah, the the, the team is definitely good enough to get to a, another Cup final. But yeah, you, you just kind of see it this year. You just see the hangover, the lack of goal scoring again, and. It's uh, it's definitely going to catch up with them, and you know they they still match up bad with teams like Washington and Tampa. So, yeah, yeah, and then not only that, but that window, especially with that uh, that core, you know, with his jar, oh. his, you know, Jar is going to play since he's fifty. I mean, he's been play, he's been there forever, it seems. But you know, the Patrice Bergerons of the world, uh, you know, guys like that, David Krejci, who has been on this team for you know many years, and this core has done very well. And unfortunately, you know, they didn't seal the deal in twenty thirteen, and then obviously last year. So it's not as if that they're devoid of any experience so uh, you know they got the blood and guts and the heart and souls on that team but you would think that like you said b- being together so long chara you i thought he was going to be done after last year considering the injury that he pretty much had the whole postseason and i listen i i would hope i picked them to go to a cup final against vegas i hope that they win for you my man and uh yeah we'll see what uh sweeney and company does here what as the deadline approaches Jay, I just want to say, man, it was an absolute pleasure being on the show, man. Had a ton of fun as always. And, hey, man, looking forward to being on next time, bro. You that, know, anytime, man. Oh, you know that. Without question, it's always a pleasure. You know, I had to get you on, especially with uh, all this uh, craziness with the Red Sox and the sign stealing and all that. And, uh, please, it's uh, my pleasure, honor always to have you on to uh, talk sports as we uh, chop it up here as uh, you know, my, my first guest of 2020. Oh, thank you, my brother. All right, thanks to JD for joining me on the podcast. I could have him on every other month, it seems, because there's always something to talk about. And obviously, with the passion that he brings, very much similar to mine, it's always a great spot, and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. So, again, thanks to JD for joining us here on this latest edition of the J Reels Podcast. And as we all know, if you liked what you heard or if you listened to my podcast on Monday, recapping everything that happened on Championship Sunday, the MLB baseball scandal with the Astros, Red Sox, and even the Mets, and all that entailed over the last week or so, please, I implore you to subscribe, leave a rating, post a review on any of the platforms that you get your podcasts on, whether it's Apple, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, wherever it may be, because all that's going to do is just increase the visibility of this podcast with the many others that are out there, especially in the sports world. And all that'll do is just increase the visibility and generate a lot of interest of those who are listening to the podcast on the outside, meaning the former athlete or even the current athlete, the sports writer, the blogger, broadcaster, whatever it may be, because what I want to do on a consistent basis, and again, with me being a one-man operation, it's a little bit difficult, but what I want to do is put two podcasts out a week, even maybe get to three, but let's start off with two, where on Mondays, I recap the week that was in sports and you get my thoughts, opinions, et cetera. And then that second podcast will be just with a special guest to talk about what's happening in the wonderful world of sports. So not only do that, please, again, I will be forever grateful and thankful for your participation in uh, subscribing, leaving a rating, posting a review on wherever you get your platform or wherever you get your podcast from, I should say. And then also follow me on any of my social media accounts, whether it be on Instagram, J Reels, Twitter, J Reels one, just a number, the J Reels podcast on my Facebook page. And the J Reels podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send me an email, or of course, you can send me a DM on any of my other social media platforms, as I will respond. Any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be, I'm open to it, people. I want to make this show for you guys. And that's what I do it for. I do it for the love and to do it 
to not only entertain, but also inform to deliver credible sports talk and opinions unlike any other out there. And that's right, I cover it all, as you've heard, or if you're just getting started listening to me. Yes, it just isn't a niche podcast where I'm just talking basketball or fantasy sports or whatever, gambling. No, 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 no. I talk about it all. I get into it. So if you can go out and please just reach out to me whenever need be. And of course, subscribe and do all that good stuff. I would sincerely and greatly appreciate it. And then lastly, if you want to contribute to the podcast itself, you could do so on my Patreon page. That's for any production, marketing, advertising, things of that nature. I would implore you to do so at Patreon. That's P as in Paul, A-T as in Tom, R-E-O-N as in nancy.com slash the J Reels podcast. So any contributions that you would, uh, would just generously make, again, I'd be forever grateful and thankful for as I deliver everything that's happening on the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from our heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx to South Beach to South Central to South Pacific and all points beyond, Peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip page.